A listener left me a voicemail. He made the point that the fact that it snowed this past weekend, the snow actually proves that global warming is man-made. It's because this lockdown out of the last few weeks, scientists, climate scientists, have noticed that there's a lot less pollution in the air, a lot fewer fumes. And apparently, the caller says, the reason it snowed, because we've reversed, this lockdown has reversed global warming and has gotten rid of a lot of the things that have caused global warming. So now it's snowing. Why is it snowing? It's snowing because of the lockdown, because we've reversed global warming. So this proves that the climate people are right right all along. Al Gore, we owe you an apology. Great point. It hailed in Lakewood today, as a matter of fact. Oh, wow. Global warming. So meet the press. NBC Chuck Todd once again proves they are fake news and President Trump has called for Chuck Todd, the host of Fake News of Fake News Meet the Press. That's my new name for it, has been uh, should be fired. That was that Trump has called for him to be fired. Anyway, they edited this clip. They strategically edited a clip of Attorney General William Barr doing an interview last Thursday. And they edited this clip. They chopped off the part where A.G. Barr talks about upholding the rule of law. They literally edited this thing to make it Barr look like he's this evil and nefarious, you know, personal lawyer of President Trump. And all he cares about is his political agenda. He doesn't care about justice or the facts. And they actually chopped off the very next words where Barr says that the only thing he cares about is upholding the rule of law, which I might add, by the way, is unlike Obama's DOJ. Didn't didn't care one bit about the rule of law, only cared about Obama advancing the Obama political agenda and destroying Trump. So they were discussing the Michael Flynn case, and uh, Chuck Todd on Meet the Press asks Peggy Noonan, who, by the way, she's supposed to be a Republican. He asks Peggy Noonan, she worked for the Reagan administration. He says, I want you to listen to this William Barr answer to a question about what history will say about this, talking about the Michael Flynn exoneration. He says, wait till you hear this answer, take a listen. And then he plays the clip, and in the clip, William Barr is asked by an interviewer on Thursday on CBS, when history looks back on this decision, how do you think it will be written? And Barr responds, well, history is written by the winners, so it largely depends on who's writing the history. And that's where they end the clip. And Chuck Todd says... He says, look at the cynicism of this answer. He says it's a correct answer, but he's the attorney general. He did not make the case that he was upholding the rule of law. He was almost admitting that this is a political hit job. And it turns out in the very next line, which NBC chopped off, this is so egregious, so misleading, they acted, the, the, Barr actually said, well, history's going to write that I upheld the rule of law. If you look at the next line, the next line, he says, after, and now that's William Barr's sense of humor. And he is has a very dry sense of humor, and he does say that kind of thing, which he obviously said, which is history is written by the winners. So it depends who's writing it. That was his little quip that he started with, a little joke. And then he said, well, history is going to show that I upheld the rule of law. And then Chuck Todd, chopping that part off, says... Peggy, I was struck by the cynicism. He's the attorney general. He didn't make the case that he's upholding the rule of law. Those are the very words that he used in the next line where he said that history is going to show that he upheld the rule of law. So in a tweet, Meet the Press says they regret the error. No apology, no retraction on NBC as far as we're aware. But in a tweet, they said, well, yeah, we cut it off early. We edited it wrong. We regret the error. You regret the error. Well, thank you very much. Where's your apology? Where are you, How are you going to repair the damage when millions of viewers, assuming they have millions of viewers, saw this thing 
And then a few people are going to see the tweet. And then, of course, the mainstream media, New York Times isn't going to discuss this tweet. And CNN and MSNBC are not going to discuss this tweet other than on that on, on that on one Twitter account. So who's going to find out about this? Only people who listen to this show or people who maybe see it on Fox News or in some conservative media. Meanwhile, the Democrats and the media, they are saying I, this is like it's it, it literally the world is all backward. You know, it's like the the, the Democrats and the media narrative. It's literally the reverse of the truth. It's the opposite of truth. It's scary. So they're saying, the Democrats and the media, literally, I'm talking about the Hill, I'm talking about Pelosi, they're saying the Flynn exoneration, this shows you how politicized the DOJ has become under AG Barr, under Attorney General Barr. Barr has made the DOJ, look how politicized this is. Every move Barr makes is in favor of Trump. First you had, you know, the Roger Stone thing, the reversal, then you have Michael Flynn, and you have this Durham investigation. It's just all, it's, it's all about Trump, 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 the DOJ. And that's what they say. And that's and, and millions of people probably get brainwashed with this nonsense, this drivel. But it's the opposite. The What this is finally showing is how politicized the Obama DOJ was right under our nose. Nobody knew because it was totally covered up. And A.G. Barr, all he's doing is bringing it back to neutral. All he's doing is neutralizing the DOJ trying to finally uphold the rule of law, carry out some semblance of justice after years and years of corruption and literally them trying to destroy President Trump because they didn't like his tweets and because he's he's conservative. And by the way, William Barr is like the least political attorney general that you could ever imagine. He was George H.W. Bush, George Bush Sr.'s attorney general. And at the time, he was beloved by the entire Washington establishment. Before he became Trump's AG, he was beloved. Many Democrats praised him. You know, he was uh, confirmed by some Democrats in the Senate in addition to the Republicans. And everybody just kept talking about how A.G. Barr is so honest. He's a man of integrity until he actually starts carrying out justice, which means in this particular case, cracking down on all the Obama corruption, on all the 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 Obama supporters in the DOJ who are literally trying to destroy a president. I mean, Comey and McCabe and you, you list goes on. Where's Rod Rosenstein, by the way? I haven't heard about him in a long time. All right. So uh, th- there's a story out of Iran where th- there were 19 Iranian sailors who were killed by friendly fire. There are these war exercises going on in, uh, I guess, the, str- the, the near the Straits of Hormuz in the Gulf of Oman. And an Iranian missile, which was supposed to be hitting a target as part of a military drill, it actually misfired. It actually hit the wrong target and it actually hit an Iranian naval vessel that was actually laying down, laying out targets uh, throughout the sea over there. And 19 uh, Iranian sailors were killed. Another 15 were injured. And, uh, you know, I, I look at the mainstream media stories about this in several, the AP, several news outlets, news stories, and they have to bring in Trump somehow. Somehow, you know, the Iranians kill each other. This is friendly fire. So the Iranians accidentally killed other Iranian soldiers in a missile strike. And yet in multiple stories, the media decided that this somehow connects to Trump. This is literally, I'm going to read you a quote that I saw more than one place, quote, This comes amid months of heightened tensions between Iran and the U.S. since President Trump unilaterally withdrew from Tehran's nuclear deal with world powers in 2018 and imposed crushing sanctions on the country. What does it have to do with Trump? They need to mention in this story the Iranians launched a missile and it hit other Iranian soldiers and they killed their own people. 
it comes amid heightened tensions between Iran and Trump. And the first time I saw it, I just kind of dismissed it. And then it's like, I saw this a few different places. Are you serious? And granted, you know, the AP, sometimes the stories get recycled. So maybe I saw it in a few different places, quoting AP stories. I don't know. But I, I did notice that they're emphasizing the fact that well, there are heightened tensions between Iran and Trump, as though, like, what, the, the, Trump, because he puts so much financial strain, because of these crippling sanctions on Iran, the Iranians are feeling very stressed out. So they're deciding to kill each other, they're deciding to launch missiles at Iranian ships, because we know they're not going to have the guts, they're not going to dare go near any American ships. What is that supposed to mean? All right, so... um but, but, but And by the way, and my point is serious, again, the fake news, biased media, they need to like throw that in. They need to somehow take a jab at Trump, even when it's a story that doesn't at all relate to Trump. That's clearly what's happening. Uh, speaking of the mainstream media, late night comedian, because we know these comedians in Hollywood also, you know, have, of course, are extremely biased against President Trump. So a late night comedian has apologized because he edited a clip, his television show edited a clip to make it look like Mike Pence is a phony who's just pa- playing to the cameras. Another egregious uh, editing job here. This is Jimmy Kimmel, Kimmel, and he apologized. What happened was Vice President Mike Pence visited a rehab center last week in Alexandria, Virginia, and he and his staffers were delivering, or he and whoever he was with, were delivering PPE, personal protective equipment, delivered from FEMA to Alexandria, Virginia, now to, to, to a rehab center, basically like a nursing home facility. And how amazing is it? The, the story here, uh, of course, the, this guy, this man, Jimmy Kimmel, he goes and turns it around and tries to make Mike Pence look like a phony. The actual story here, which, of course, will never really be reported by anybody in the media, in mainstream media, whether it's journalists or you know, reporters or this comedian or any of them, is that the vice president is personally delivering boxes of protective equipment to a nursing home. I mean, that is astonishing. This is a busy man. He's in charge of the coronavirus task force. And he's taking time out to personally deliver. Did Jimmy Kimmel personally deliver anything to a nursing home recently? That's what I would want to know. So what happened was they unloaded a bunch of boxes from the van. And then there were other boxes in the van left there that were empty, that weren't part of the delivery. So they told Mike Pence, you know, he's going to get more boxes out of the van. And they said to him, well, the rest are empty. So as a joke, this is all happening on camera. As a joke, Mike Pence said, well, I could carry the empty ones just for the camera. That was a joke. Actually, pretty funny, if you ask me. Jimmy Kimmel, he edited the clip. He removed the context. So basically, you don't see all the the precursor. You don't see Mike Pence delivering these boxes loaded with equipment. All you see is Mike Pence standing next to a bunch of empty boxes. And he says, hey, I could carry these empty boxes just for the camera. The implication, if you look at the video edited, the post-editing video where they they doctored it, basically, essentially, uh, what you see is you see, or at least they cut out all the context. So I don't know if you call that doctoring, but you get the idea. They performed surgery. So after that, uh, Mike Pence is grabbing empty boxes saying, hey, I'll deliver these. I'll pretend to be delivering these for the camera. So then you have Jimmy Kimmel in his monologue saying, quote, Mike Pence pretending to carry empty boxes of PPEs into a hospital is the perfect metaphor for who he is, a big box of nothing delivering another box of nothing. There's a direct quote from uh, Jimmy Kimmel. And then he says, since it was going so well, and also he didn't realize he had a mic on, Magic Mike decided to keep it going. Well, yeah, I have to see the context. You know, I'm just reading this off of a, uh, off of a news article. And... Um, but, you know, Jimmy Kimmel has since apologized. I mean, it's unbelievable. Here you have the vice president, who's the head of the coronavirus task force, delivering this equipment. And they cut out all of that. And then they 
take a joke that he made that was pretty funny in the context and they make it look like he's this just horrific, evil monster. There's the media for you. And then we wonder, you know, why Trump and Pence, why their approval numbers are so low. They don't have a fighting chance. These television shows are viewed by millions and millions of people who literally are getting a totally fake narrative and and, and are never going to see the reality because of, uh, you know, editing deals like this and Chuck Todd. Senator Bernie Sanders said, (laughs) this is hilarious, Senator, Senator Bernie Sanders was discussing the possibility of another run for president. The not only septuagenarian Bernie Sanders, but he's nearly an octogenarian. And he says that it's very, very slim. Bernie Sanders says that the chances of him running for election, for you know, running for president in 2024 are very, very slim. No kidding. Okay, we have stopped the presses. We have we have to alert the media, New York Times, Washington Post, CNN. We have breaking news. Bernie Sanders says very very slim chance that he is going to run. I think that actually is a shocking story. It's a bombshell because that implies there is some slim chance that he's going to run again. He he didn't say there is zero chance. He said very very slim. What would you call that? chance, a 1% chance. There's a 1% chance that Sanders is going to run again in 2024. Are you kidding me? Well, hey, uh, Joe Biden is only a few months younger than Bernie Sanders, and he may be elected president in November, and then will he run for re-election? He has all but implied that he will not. So Bernie Sanders said, I think next time around you'll see another progressive carrying the banner. I think it's very, very unlikely that I'll be running for president. You cannot make this stuff up. All right, so one big story today, and a more serious note here, is that The coronavirus is getting eerily close to the inner circle of the White House, to President Trump's own inner circle. We keep hearing reports about various White House staffers or staffers close to the White House that have tested positive for COVID-19. So right now you have Mike Pence's press secretary, Katie Miller, who also happens to be the wife of Stephen Miller, who's a, a close advisor of President Trump. She has tested positive. Ivanka Trump's assistant has tested positive. Apparently, though, she hasn't been in in, per, in personal contact with the assistant in many weeks. Dr. Anthony Fauci is isolating right now. He is under self-quarantine. CDC Director Dr. Robert Redfield, FDA Commissioner Dr. Stephen Hahn are all in self-quarantine because of contact that they had with somebody, one of one of the staffers who tested positive. Um, the, the, Mike Pence is not going to be self-quarantining, even though he's been exposed because of his press secretary. Not clear why, although he is saying that the White House medical team has told him he doesn't need to self-quarantine. Now, Mike Pence, that's a big deal because he's leading the coronavirus task force. He's leading the effort. So if he's self-quarantining, that would not be a simple matter. Now, Dr. Fauci, apparently, although he's, of course, one of the people in charge of the task force, is going to be self-quarantining, although I think he is going to be going to into his office if there's nobody else around, which makes you wonder about leaving germs there and that sort of thing. Um, 11 Secret Service agents have tested positive for the coronavirus, and the report is, who knows if this is true, that President Trump has been pretty much isolated at this point, and he's spooked that, that he has discovered this, according to The Guardian, that um, you know the White House, so many people in the White House or near the White House have been diagnosed positive with COVID-19. And on Sunday, yesterday, Kevin Hassett, who's President Trump's top economic advisor, he was on Face the Nation and he said, quote, it is scary to go to work, which he was being very candid. This is Kevin Hassett, quote, I think that I'd be a lot safer if I was sitting at home uh, than I would be going to the West Wing. It's a crowded place. It's a little bit risky, 
but you have to do it because you have to serve your country. Wow. Okay, Israelis are cracking down on pay-to-slay payments. And we've told you about this so many times, the, the, the absolute disgraceful, heinous practice done by the Palestinian Authority led by Mahmoud Abbas where they compensate terrorist families. If terrorists kill themselves in suicide bombs while killing Jews, while killing Israelis, um, they get compensated. It's hitting the lottery jackpot for a Palestinian if they happen to be related to a terrorist who commits a terror attack because the families are given stipends. They're given stipends. They're given who knows how much money every year. If the terrorists are alive in, in Israeli prisons, their families get the money. Maybe they get the money somehow if they're if they're if they kill kill themselves, blow themselves up, or, or are killed in the line of the terror attack. Then their families will be compensated. And you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars a year that are paid as stipends to the families of terrorists. I mean, the horror, the horror, the sheer unspeakable. Horrific practice that this is. So Israel has now threatened fines and jail time against banks or against anybody who facilitates the payment to the families of terrorists, these stipends to terrorists or to their families. So now many banks uh, in, in the Palestinian Authority have been shutting down the accounts of these families of terrorists who are getting th this money deposited in their accounts. So the Israelis basically are threatening. This is wonderful news. The Israelis finally cracking down on this where they're actually going to crack down on the banks. And they're, they're threatening. They might put bank executives in jail. They'll levy heavy fines on these banks if the banks are just involved. So apparently that means if the banks just actually have these accounts open and then these terrorist stipends, these pay-to-slay payment, compensation payments are made into these bank accounts, then the banks could be held criminally liable, which is wonderful news. So some of these banks did shut down accounts, but now the PA has gotten involved. The prime minister of the Palestinian Authority, Abbas is the president, the prime minister of the Palestinian Authority somehow intervened and somehow has gotten at least some of these banks to reopen the accounts belonging to these terrorists. So we'll keep an eye on that. Where is the media? Nowhere to be found. Where's Chuck Todd? He's busy editing Attorney General Barr. He's too busy to be reporting actual news that matters where they actually are sponsoring terrorism and these, these murderers, these monsters. Where's the UN on this? Where's the BDS movement who um, supports the murdering terrorist monsters that are in question right now and are protesting, are boycotting Israel? The UN, of course, the UN Human Rights Council, who, where they like... To give a total pass to North Korea and China and Venezuela and these countries, Saudi Arabia with, the, with Iran, with the most egregious, unspeakable human rights, human rights violations against their own citizens. But the Israelis are the problem. But of course, they have nothing bad to say about the Palestinians. Apple is planning, according to a new report, Apple is planning to move a huge chunk of its business out of China. And the report doesn't directly say link it to the coronavirus, but you have to believe that that's a big part of this and the fallout now that's expected here with China. So Apple, this is a Breitbart's reporting this, but it really comes from the Indian Economic Times that Apple is planning to move a huge amount of its production out of China and into India. Uh, and specifically, we're talking about the production of the iPhone. This comes off a website called Mac Rumors, but it's really the Indian Economic Times that they're quoting that uh, Apple may be moving a significant portion of its production from China to India in the wake of the Wuhan coronavirus pandemic. So I'm sorry, the story does actually link it to the pandemic. They say Apple may be producing as much as $40 billion worth of smartphones in India through manufacturers Wistron and Foxconn, which of course are Apple 
manufacturers of Apple products like the iPhone. So this could be very devastating to China, of course. And another bombshell story here as it relates to China. China has been hacking into U.S. computers trying to steal a vaccine for the coronavirus or steal information to develop a vaccine. Uh, the New York Times is reporting this story that the United States intel agencies, the FBI, Homeland Security, are warning that Chinese hackers and spies are trying to steal American research in to, to, in terms of developing a vaccine and treatment for the coronavirus. So they're actually stealing information, research data that has been assembled by the by, by the United States, by Americans, Chinese hackers and spies are stealing that data so that they can use that knowledge, that information to develop a vaccine, to develop treatment. This is part of a surge now in cyber thefts and attacks by foreign countries that are trying to, to, to grab an advantage in this pandemic. I mean, this is unreal. So, like I said, FBI and Homeland Security, uh, they have warned, they're saying that China... Their hackers and spies are trying to steal American information. And what's interesting is by by releasing this information now, they're justifying the United States is, is allowed to retaliate, as you would expect. They, they, the, and when part of that retaliation is the United States can actually send viruses and malware into Chinese computers to punish them uh, in response, in retaliation for this. This is this is an act of war. It, it, I know it's cyber theft, but these days that actually cyber theft and you know cyber attacks are much more dangerous and damaging to any country, uh, you know, versus a, a, a physical attack. That's just how the, the reality of nowadays. You know, so obviously this would be devastating if the Chinese are able to get away with stealing this kind of valuable information. And the United States did that to Russia in 2018 in response to Russian election meddling, Russian hacking, cyber warfare by Russia. The United States actually sent viruses and uh, other you know, dangerous uh, software into Russian computers as revenge. That's so really interesting. Meanwhile, the Israelis have accused Iran of trying to attack and cripple Israeli water supplies. And it's not clear if this was successful or not, but it seems that these evil countries, they're actually trying to leverage and take advantage of the coronavirus crisis uh, in some way or another. So with China, they're trying to, of course, steal uh, information that could help them fight the pandemic. With Iran, apparently they tried to cripple Israeli water supplies, which would have been very devastating during the, it's obviously would always be very dangerous, but especially during the lockdown with Israelis confined to their homes. So this is very interesting. And specifically, look, the Iranians and the Chinese, they are reeling right now. Look, the, the world economy is struggling big time, but especially it's really hurting Iran, North Korea and China, you know, because they were already in bad shape, mostly thanks to President Trump. Um, the New York Times, by the way, is still trying to debunk the story about the origin of the virus taking place in a Wuhan lab. To me, that's my presumption. Because of all the evidence, that's my presumption until I know otherwise. And we've outlined the evidence. We've detailed it here for, for, for weeks and months. But this is what's so um, misleading, so disingenuous about the New York Times, so bogus. Here's a quote from the New York Times. And once again, the fake news media. I mean, literally today, the whole day today, all we've been doing is outlining because there's just so much out there. Mike Pompeo, Secretary of State, claimed this month there was enormous evidence. I'm quoting the Times here. Claimed this month there was enormous evidence that the virus had come from a Chinese lab. Before he backed off to say it came from the vicinity of the lab in Wuhan, 
U.S. intelligence agencies, they say they have reached no conclusion on the issue, but public evidence points to a link between the outbreak's origins and a market in Wuhan and China's illegal wildlife trafficking. And then they link to what, what this story is about public evidence pointing to the fact that it came from wildlife. It came from a wet market in Wuhan. And the, the story that they link to is a joke. There, there's no, there is no evidence whatsoever. So you have... They're totally discounting. Mike Pompeo claimed there was enormous evidence. They put enormous evidence in quotes. So they're quoting him, but they're also making it as though he claims there's enormous evidence, but he didn't back it up. He doesn't need to back it up. He's the Secretary of State. And have you have you ever caught Mike Pompeo saying anything that wasn't true, by the way? You know, unlike some other establishment politicians that we know of. But... Um, but uh, they, they, then they say he backed off and said it came from the vicinity of the lab in Wuhan. I'm not, I, I am not clear at all that Mike Pompeo backed off, by the way. Uh, to me, he wasn't contradicting his earlier statement. And then they say intelligence agencies say they reached no conclusion on the issue. Well, what do you expect the intelligence agencies to say? Well, here, we're going to leak all of our information to you. Hopefully, that's not what they're doing under Trump like they would have done under Obama. But then they say public evidence points to a link between the origins of the outbreak and China's Ill in, in the market in Wuhan and China's illegal wildlife trafficking. Well, you click on the story that they're linking to, and essentially there's this weird, strange, exotic animal in China. I, I forget the name. It starts with a P. And um, that, they, they discovered a virus, a coronavirus, in that animal. Many animals have coronaviruses, like bats, etc. And they discovered a virus that's eerily similar to COVID-19. Well, that is not proof. I keep trying to explain this. That is not proof that it did not come from a Chinese lab. That, that, that's not proof at all that it didn't come from a Chinese lab because, the, if anything, the opposite. We know, number one, if it was bioengineered, they, start, they don't start off from scratch. They start off with an existing virus and then they do they, you know, chemical engineering and they, they mutate the virus using, using a lab, using chemistry. But in addition to that, you know, if it came from a lab, it, it didn't like start off in the lab, right? It's because we know for a fact, this is this is documented, that these labs in, in Wuhan are specifically used to study um, viruses that came from animals, bats and other animals. So they actually take the viruses from the animals and, and store it in this lab. So if this is similar, that doesn't prove anything. We know it originated, uh, it, one of two uh, possibilities, either it originated in a lab because it was bioengineered or it originated in an animal. If originated in an animal, it still may have leaked out of the Wuhan lab. And, and, and what are the odds that it didn't? You have all these thousands of viruses being studied in this Wuhan lab, and we know it originated in Wuhan. To me, right there, that's my presumption, because like, isn't that the most logical possibility here, uh, especially with all the other history that we know? But anyway, the point is that they say public evidence points to a link between the oranges and a market in Wuhan and illegal wildlife trafficking because, oh, by the way, it came from an animal. That proves nothing. We know it came from an animal. The question is, did it come from an animal and it magically ended up in this market directly from the animal? Somebody ate it? Or did it come out of the lab? So either way, it came from an animal. So it's totally fake news. President Trump has been supporting protesters in Pennsylvania. That's the latest. We know he supports the protesters in Michigan and other states where they are demanding that their state reopen. We'll keep an eye on that. President Trump blasted Obama yesterday. Um, and this is very interesting because, and, and he calls it, Trump calls it Obamagate, you know, referring to Spygate and referring to all the DOJ corruption where Obama's FBI tried to sabotage an opposition candidate and then president. But uh, here's what Obama said last week. We told you about this phone call where he talked about Michael Flynn. And again, here's the, the twisted backward world we live in where Obama said, quote, there is no precedent that anybody can find for someone who has been charged with perjury just getting off scot-free. That's the kind of stuff where you begin to worry 
that basic understanding of rule of law is at risk. When you start moving in those directions, it can accelerate pretty quickly, as we've seen in other places. End quote. Yeah, he's got that right. He's got it all backward. It's like it's like chilling almost, right? There's no precedent anybody can find for someone who's been charged with perjury just getting off scot-free. You're talking about Michael Flynn. Now, and by the way, I'll add to that. Not only was he charged with perjury, he pleaded guilty to perjury. So it was more than just a charge, but even still, he's innocent, you know, or, or at least I have no reason to assume he's not innocent. And certainly, even if he's not innocent, you know, the DOJ and the FBI, you know, totally, totally, you know, abused their power here and got him to, 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 to commit this crime. But here's the point. The point is... And look, if he lied to the FBI, I'm not condoning that. But this is not a that's a very tiny detail compared to the much bigger picture over here. But the point is, Obama's right. There's no precedent for somebody been charged with perjury to just get off scot free. You know why he got off scot free? Because of all the corruption surrounding your DOJ and your FBI. Because the FBI here acted in a way that's just beyond shocking. I mean, just totally, totally disgracefully. Uh, so, yeah, so A.G. Barr had no choice but to do the right thing, uphold the rule of law. So if you're right, Obama, that the uh, we, we have never seen this before, it's unprecedented, it's because of how egregious what your people did is. And we have some shocking new details, another bombshell coming up up here in a moment. But um, so Obama's right, but he's got it all backward. And so Trump, of course, uh, put out a tweet he, uh, he quoted, he retweeted Buck Sexton. Buck Sexton is a conservative political commentator. And he said, quote, if you read a news story about some European country where after a fair election, the outgoing president used his last weeks in office to target incoming officials and sabotage the new administration, you would be appalled. It happened here and half the country thinks it was fine. So he's basically saying if you read about some other country where the outgoing president during his final weeks in office actually used his own DOJ to target it, the incoming administration and sabotage them, you'd be shocked and appalled. It happened. It happened in the United States. And ha literally half the country has no problem with it. So Trump put that out and then he commented on it, quote, the biggest political climb in American history by far. That's what Trump says. And Trump calls it Obama game. Meanwhile, we now find out that um, Obama actually is the one who told James Comey about the conversation that Michael Flynn had with Sergey Kislyak. So remember, Michael Flynn, if he lied, he lied about the conversation he had with Sergey Kislyak because they had a recording. They were trying to trap him. Well, it turns out, who told James Comey? Who told the FBI? The FBI doesn't typically spy on Americans or even foreigners, right? That's done by other agencies. So how did James Comey and how did Andrew McCabe and how did Peter Strzok know about this phone call that came from Obama? And it's not clear. This is an absolute shocking bombshell, which you'll never hear on the mainstream media, but this is this is being reported in Breitbart and other conservative news outlets. That's the only place you're going to find this stuff other than this show. And uh, you have Obama actually is the one who informed the FBI and the DOJ about this conversation. Where did he get it from? They, they don't know for sure, but I'll tell you where he got it from. He got it from Susan Rice, because remember, Susan Rice unmasked like over 1,000, 12, 13, 1,400 conversations that foreigners had that were spied, literally these conversations were spied on by the NSA between foreigners and Americans, and some of them had Trump campaign officials. So Obama and, his, and Susan Rice, his national security advisor, essentially spied on the Trump administration. The, the, literally, no exaggeration there. And then Obama goes and turns that information over to the FBI. Can you? How is Obama not being prosecuted, or will he be? John Durham, you know, let's let's we keep waiting. You know, one of these days, any day now. So listen to this: newly released documents. These, these actually came. This actually came from the DOJ filing. This is a, a total bombshell. And you may wonder, well, why did we leave it till the end of the show? It's because we had so much other good stuff. It's just hard to decide. But um, newly, newly released documents 
um, from the DOJ, the government's motion to dismiss the case against Flynn last week, show that in January of 2017, remember, just weeks before Obama leaves office, there was an Oval Office meeting. Get ready. You better sit down. Sit down. I know. Sit down. The uh, You had Joe Biden at this meeting with CIA Director John Brennan, who, by the way, another person who despises Trump, DNI James Clapper. I mean, literally just this like list of people who despise Trump. James, I'm not exaggerating, James Comey, Joe Biden, John Brenner, James Clapper. You put them all in a room here with Sally Yates, who was the deputy AG, and Barack Obama, President Obama, at this meeting. I mean, you cannot make this up. This, If this were fiction, you'd be like, this is the most unrealistic piece of fiction I've ever seen. So Obama told them what happened was Obama, they, they, they're leaving the meeting, and Obama told um, Comey and Yates to stay behind. And there are reports, by the way, that Biden stayed behind as well. There's a memo from Susan Rice showing that Joe Biden stayed back as well. And Obama told them that he found about, out about a conversation between Michael Flynn and Sergey Kislyak, and they discussed sanctions that he had levied against Russia. And Obama specified this is according to a DOJ filing. This should be on the front page of the Times, the Washington Post. I mean, if this were reversed and it were Trump, oh, Boy. So, I mean, the impeachment papers would be already signed and delivered. So Obama specified he did not want additional information on the matter, but he was seeking information on whether the White House should be treating Flynn any differently, given the information, given the information, hint, hint. And at the time, Sally Yates had no idea what the president was talking about, but she recalls that Comey, she figured it out based on the conversation. So basically, Obama's talking in code. Yates recalled Comey mentioning the Logan Act, but she cannot recall if Comey specified an investigation and Comey did not talk about prosecution in the meeting. So basically, Obama said, listen, are we supposed to be treating Flynn differently? I want to let you know, you know, Obama's a shrewd man. So he does this all in code where he you know, tells them about this conversation. And then he says, should we be treating Flynn differently? And then what a strange coincidence. Just a few weeks later, the FBI goes and has this friendly interview with Michael Flynn where they were talking ahead of time in advance about getting him to lie about the conversation, which they already knew all about because they were tipped off by none other than President Obama. Will indictments be handed down? If they are, is Obama himself culpable? Maybe even more importantly, maybe Joe Biden was part of this whole conspiracy because according to Susan Rice, he's at this meeting as well. Well, gee whiz, and he's now running for president. Very interesting. That's going to do it for today, and we will see you next time.